This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Jonathan Katzenellen Bergen is a freelance journalist and writes a weekly economics column for the online news and column website, The Daily Friend. He has previously written about what he calls South Africa's economy being trapped in a vicious cycle of low growth, high unemployment, high government budget deficits, bad governance, poorly run state enterprises, and declining private investments are in the court. Jonathan joins me now to tell me more about where we're hanging as we start 2022. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Thanks very much for having me. Well, as we start 2022, we're not in a very good position. The IMF came out with its forecast uh, last week for global growth, and it um, where within that, it includes its expected growth rates for a number of countries, larger economies, uh, like so, the key economies in emerging markets and elsewhere, the advanced industrial countries and so forth. It includes South Africa, and they didn't come up with a very promising uh, forecast for this year. And the South African Reserve Bank uh, held its entered its monetary policy committee yesterday and rose uh, raised rates by. Um, a quarter of a, a percentage point by 0.25 to 4%. So it shows they, they expect inflation. But just to go through the growth expectations for this year, as you know, these are the Saab forecasts that they came up with. So they are only expecting 1.7% growth this year, 1.8% next year, which is more or less the same, and 2% in 2024. And that is pretty, pretty poor, considering that global growth is going to be uh, well above that at uh, 4.4%. And growth for the category into which we fall, which is emerging markets and developing countries, is going to be 4.8% this year. So, you know, we've got a low growth problem, a big low growth problem in this um, country. And it's very serious because, of course, it feeds into our very high unemployment rate, which climbs with each quarter. So uh, in the third quarter of last year, unemployment was um, at the larger definition, of which includes people who can't actually find jobs. That was at 46%. And, you know, it's a lot higher for um, uh, youth. So, you know, this growth rate is totally inadequate. And uh, one of the reasons that we're not going to do well, the key reason is that there's the fading rebound from the pandemic. Last year, uh, we grew at, um, I think it'll be around 4.6% is the IMF estimate for last year, rebounding from minus where the economy contracted by over 6% in 2020, which was the worst year of the uh, uh, lockdown. We've rebounded from the pandemic, and uh, there's not not much more from that. And uh, last year, um, uh, we had the luck of it. We had wind, a windfall from uh, commodity prices. The gold price was high, the platinum price was high, metal prices were high, and um, uh, other commodity prices uh, were high. So we did very well off that and um, generated lots of tax revenue, and that was all very positive. But now that is fading. And now we're left with lower export prices. And so growth is going to depend in, for us, more on investment and household spending. And the appetite for investment is low. South Africa is not an attractive um, investment uh, destination. 
because of our political problems and lack of structural um, economic reform. So it's all very uh, problematic. And the 7% growth rate that is expected this year is compares to um, global output of 4.4% and emerging market output of 4.8%. And emerging and developing Asia are going to have a 5.9% growth rate. So we're way, way, way down there. And uh, that is our problem, just insufficient growth. One of the reasons and uh, um, something that I've been going about and others have been uh, speaking about for some time is that uh, we need this, these big structural reforms. Just before we got to structural reforms, um, one of the things that was raised last year, and I know it's, uh, I'm not exactly sure where I would put in, was the basic income grant. What are your thoughts on that? I think the basic income grant at this stage is very problematic. We simply don't, our debt is, our deficit, government budget deficit is simply too high to accommodate that. We're not growing fast enough to generate the tax revenue uh, to support that. If we do indeed have a, a basic income grant, they're certainly going to have to change the social grant system entirely. Everyone will be getting a grant, so there'll be no old age pensions. There'll be no disability grant. They will scrap the uh, unemployment grant that people receive, albeit for a short time. So that'll have to change, and there might be problems in changing that. That is all very expensive to administer, and a basic income grant might not be as expensive to uh, administer because it's basically a two-stage process. You register as a taxpayer, no matter what your income, you will get the grant. So the Treasury will get the revenue back from taxpayers. They'll get the grant back from taxpayers. And for the poorer, uh, uh, the section of the population are not taxpayers currently, but will have to register as taxpayers. That'll act as their income support. We simply don't have the resources to do that. There was a commission last year that reported, and they said exactly what I'm saying. So for the moment, I think it's totally impractical. But there are problems about a basic income grant, um, such as the uh, perhaps the incentive to work, although that is disputed. But it's interesting that for various reasons, none of the countries or um, cities or states or provinces around the world that have um, experimented with a basic income grant just on a, on a temporary basis have um, adopted it permanently. And so there are reasons for that. Um, and it, mean, it could mean a very substantial uh, change in um, in the uh, perhaps the attitude towards work of some people, I'm not saying all, but you could create perhaps a a, a welfare dependent class if more, more people have it, and they find that they can they can um, live in that, and that that's that's problematic. Your aim will, is uh, through economic growth and jobs to get people into the labor force so they're not dependent on the state. You know, a lot more work has to be done on the basic income grant. And it'll be done on an experimental basis. It would be very careless for it to be adopted anytime uh, soon or, or immediately. It, it, it could take years of study. Jonathan, then, so basically, just before I interrupted you about the uh, grants, you're saying that you think structural reform is what is needed. Are we heading that way? No, we're not. And this is the really the great tragedy of it. 
the uh, we're just stuck on it, really. And the reforms that uh, President uh, Ramaphosa speaks about from State of the Nation Address to State of the Nation Address have not been implemented. The one that was uh, long anticipated was to make um, additional broadband available so your cell phone charges um, could fall and there'd be uh, better quality in service. Uh, 5G could perhaps be introduced more widely. That has not been introduced. The, the additional spectrum that would entail has not been allocated and we still don't know when it will be allocated. Um, then, you know, he's spoken about other uh, sorts of um, forms to um, improve the, what they call the network industries, um, ESCOM, water supply, particularly, and rails, transnet. And the parastatals, the state-owned enterprises, are in a state of disaster. ESCOM continues to have major problems. They can't address the fully address the procurement overmanning problems. Uh, Transnet, the, the rail network, is in a state of terrible disrepair, with uh, thieves actually ripping up rail lines and railway uh, carriages and engines uh, not working, and the list goes on. So, you know, to get to really reform in that area, they'll have to do something about the state-owned enterprise. They are in such a state of disrepair. You know, Denel, the, the defense company, can't even pay its staff. Uh, as always been, uh, be, some divisions have not paid their staff for prolonged periods, which is highly problematic. And it's, it's being allowed to go to ruin, which is a, a great uh, tragedy full of lost opportunities there. I know that the last time we spoke, which was actually just at the beginning of the COVID um, pandemic, I think it was 2020, just just as things were, were diving, you said last time there's always hope. In spite of the bleak picture, there is always hope. What kind of hope do we have? Well, I think it's um, a, a longer-term sort, sort of hope. The ANC has shown that it's incapable to address the big structural issues, such as labour reform, making our labor rates more uh, competitive, such as privatizing state-owned enterprises. But I think we're gradually heading into a space of crisis where these sorts of measures will have to be taken. And uh, the ANC is losing um, electoral support. So if one has a coalition government um, in time, I think there is hope for reform. I think that it'll either have to be proactive to head off a crisis, or it will have to be crisis-driven. And I think those are the two paths to reform. And I think that um, it will have to happen in time. I can't give you a framework, but I think it ultimately will have to happen. And um, I think we will see it happen within the next uh, 10 years at least. Uh, because otherwise, so, I think I really do think we're heading towards a crisis. Jonathan, I know that you've lived everywhere in the world, lots of different countries. Not everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> many, many different countries. And you've chosen South Africa as home. So you obviously are fastened your seatbelt and are in for the long run. Yes, yes, I think so. I think, uh, uh, well, you know, I have uh, friends here and so forth, and I enjoy myself here. And it's a very interesting country in which to um, live, of course. And I, uh, I'm fascinated by the unfolding South African um, economic story. And ultimately, I think that um, things will have to turn around. I think there are the skills and there will be the mounting political pressure 
uh, for this uh, turnaround. But again, I can't say when this will occur. Well, I think, Jonathan, um, a, a kind of a short slot like this was never going to be adequate to kind of explore South Africa's economic uh, situation. But I'm always so appreciative of you at least sharing the insights and um, giving indication as to where we're at and what we need to do. Thanks, Cherise. My pleasure. Always good to talk to you. Thank you very much. That was Jonathan Katzenlin Bergen, freelance journalist, and who also writes a weekly economic column for The Daily Frame.